Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's feature is deadlock and no escape. I could be trapped on an island with Rutger Hauer. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So nobody's got COVID or died or anything this week? (laughs) You know what's awesome? Is I just listened to last week's show. Mm -hmm. And I was going to comment on how last week we were all just so happy the whole time. And before I had a chance to say that, you're just like, anybody dead? (laughs) (laughs) Last week was episode 200. Mm -hmm. This is just boring old episode 201. So you're just like, fuck it. No more being in a kid ever again. Yeah. So I spent my day yesterday arguing with uh, anti-vasker. Anti-vaxxer idiots, so... Don't do that. Well, I didn't do it today, so... Don't do it ever. It's not a good use of your time. I was at work. I was bored. Kept me entertained. No, it did not. It upset you. You're clearly upset. (laughs) So is Noah here? Did he leave? I'm here. You guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. And we're just chiming in on our worldview at the moment. Yeah, I was responding to something. Uh, I don't know. It's been crazy. So uh, some some of the people I play D&D with, mm-hmm. uh, Saturday they had to rush their kid to the fucking ER, and he's been stuck in the hospital ever since. Pretty wild. That oh, blows. Dude. There you go, Brian. Is it COVID or is it just... COVID-related. Oh, he got he got COVID and he was getting better, and then all of a sudden he woke up one morning and I guess they said he had like swelling all over his body and some crazy rash and they rushed him yeah. in and it's called it's something called MISC, which which apparently is a common thing in young people who get COVID, uh-huh. whenever they get the post COVID or whatever. And it's it's basically your body's immune system goes berserk and starts attacking itself. Hmm. It's a good times. Sounds like he's all right now, but I don't know. I don't know why they keep. If you go get fucking heart surgery, they'll let you go home the next day. I don't. The fact that they've kept him for a week is nuts. Hmm. Yeah. Probably just means the parents have really good insurance. That's also true. Sadly. Like, if you had to go to the hospital for a week, Doug, how much would it cost you, probably? Zero dollars. 
Yeah, that's fucking gross. I mean, I'd probably get sick of hospital food and order some food in or something. I'm sure if I asked people to bring it for me, they'd buy it for me, so it still cost me nothing. Now, politicians who are against free health care or uh, paid for health care, if that makes sense, claim there's like uh, um, you have to wait like a whole year to get in for any kind of surgery up in Canada or there's like uh, the fuck do they call them like uh, uh, I was going to say which which one of the lies do you want to death panels death panels the panel part I couldn't come up with yeah where they have to like well we can't treat everybody so we're just going to have to treat these people and let everybody else die yeah, grandma's grandma's got diabetes. We're gonna have to put down grandma. You mean like how your system is currently not offering surgery to people who won't get the COVID vaccination? Same kind of thing, or no? Because that I actually agree with. Because people are stupid. Um, yeah. No, but I'm saying it's the exact same thing that happens everywhere. Is there's limited resources? Oh yeah, and... it's called it's called priority of care, and it exists. Yeah. It exists now, like in America too, like all, all the time, not just that, but for all sorts of stuff. The difference is here. There's like a triage system where people who need the care the most go to the front of the line, regardless of their financial situation. Yeah. So if you're like super rich and you get a disease, you're more likely to die here because we are treating the poor people as well. As opposed to just well, leaving them at home to die and well, accept people to the front what, of the line. What I understand is that you guys still have the option of private health care. So if you're super rich, you can just pay to have it done anyway. No, it's just really. if you want the government to pay for it, you have to wait. I mean, if you want to fly to the States and get it done there, if you're rich enough to do that, you can. Mm. Yeah. Let's stop talking about it. It's, it's all very stupid. But no, I can't walk into a hospital here and just be like put me to the front of the line and put my credit card down. That's not a thing. Well, I, I didn't think that, but I thought, I thought there actually were like separate for profit medical facilities that existed. Does that make sense? Yes, but not for major surgeries. So sometimes you can get like, like elective surgeries and stuff. Yeah. Like, or you might be able to get like an x-ray done quicker or something like that by going to a private facility. But if you require an actual hospital, then to my knowledge, there's no way to buy your way to the front of the line. Mm. That could well, be different in other weird. provinces as well. Well, let's let's talk about something that's not awful, like future prisons. Well, future I was just prisons. My segue was going to be like, well, some of the uh, right wingers here like to claim that uh, prisoners get preferential treatment with medical care because they get it paid for by the government. They do get it. preferential treatment. It's just that <laughs> it's, I mean, it, that's a sad statement, but it's the truth. Um, but then don't want regular citizens to have it. But anyway, as Noah said, future prisons. Future prison. So why did you pick these, Noah? Because they're dope. Future prison. Uh, I detect that's a lie, but <laughs> we'll get into it. There we go. Um, Back to fighting. I'm glad to say. Well, specific. I know <laughs> I specifically, I specifically put no escape on here, mm-hmm. uh, and then wedlock. I think I just whenever I picked no escape, I was like, I need another future prison movie, and I was like, oh yeah, wedlock. I saw that once on HBO, fucking thirty years ago. 
you just wanted to do more Rucker Hauer movies, which I fuck, well, yeah, fuck yes, I do. <laughs> well, since you love Rucker Hauer so much, why don't you tell us about the movie Wedlock? All right, so Wedlock starts with a uh, a jewel heist in which mm-hmm. Rutger Hauer plays a pseudo genius electrician who's kind of their safe breaker slash uh, get past the security guy. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess hacker would probably have been the term used back then, even though that's inaccurate. Wow. We should put hackers on the list. I do like hackers. It's <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, he is betrayed by his fiance and his partner. James Remar, or as most normie people know him as Dexter's dad. Yeah. James Remar and his uh, Asian girlfriend, who I think is a porn star, but I can't remember. I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, So, yeah, but they betray him, shoot him a couple times in the chest. He doesn't die. He ends up in prison. Uh, It turns out this prison has discovered the perfect way to keep uh, prisoners from escaping without fences. And that is when you arrive at the prison, you're strapped in an explody head collar a la Suicide Squad. And your collar is secretly attached to another prisoner's collar. And if you ever go more than 100 yards from that other person, uh, your head will be exploded. And they basically draw out a blue line where uh, that is the, the absolute limit. So if you were in one corner and they were in the other corner, then, you, then See, you're safe. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, though. So as we find out, if you both just like run away, then well, but the whole point is that none of them are supposed to know who the other person in the prison is. Oh, I think I missed that part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're not supposed to know, and she just has a hot tip, mm. which of course we we find out later what her hot tip is. Uh, yeah, so basically, him and his wedlock partner end up uh, doing an accidental daring escape. Uh, he's being treated very badly and harassed by the warden, who you will all know either is the principal from the Goldbergs or that dude from the Garfield movie. Steven Tobolowsky. Yes, indeed. He's he's great because he only plays like one of two characters. He's either this like uh, goofy kind pseudo incompetent lovable character or he is just some menacing asshole. Mm. I would like to disagree with that. I, I don't think he is a menacing, menacing asshole. He's a goofy, somewhat likable guy who's pretending to be a menacing asshole. And I was going to say, I think most people probably know him as the uh, as Ned from Groundhog's Day. That's also correct. Yeah, all, yeah also Ned from Groundhog's Day. <laughs> I don't know him as anything else. All the, all the other stuff you said, I'm like, I, don't, I didn't know who you meant until, you, oh. until somebody said his actual name. For the longest time, I knew him as Sammy Jenkins from uh, Memento. No, uh, yeah. And then I realized I knew him from a bunch of other shit. I just didn't realize that that was him until He's, later. He has been in a shit ton of stuff. He is yes. a prolific bit part actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's a compliment or not. A prolific bit I, part actor. I mean, fuck it. If you, if you can make a career out of it, fucking yeah. do it. Mm hmm. It's just, it's just funny to say he's been in a lot of shit, but not for very long in any of it. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's because it's funny because I wouldn't exactly I wouldn't call him a 
precisely a character actor because that's not entirely what he does. He plays like a, a character in all those bit parts, technically. I, I suppose. I don't I don't know. But I feel like character actors are kind of like more used than he is. <laughs> He's he is oftentimes a person who is in a movie for about three seconds and you go, hey, it's him. And then he's gone. I always am very happy to see him when I do see him. So I'd say it's a compliment. Yeah, he's delightful. He's very talented. Uh, oh, yeah. Continuing with the story. So Lady finds out that they're uh, wedlock partners. She breaks them out of prison. Uh, the movie then becomes a reverse buddy cop movie. Where it's a, a buddy prisoner movie, I suppose, perhaps in the vein of road trip movies, but with explosive collars and gun mm-hmm. battles. Uh, and then, of course, we it, it all turns out to be a giant. The 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 wardens in league with the ex partner and the girlfriend who are in league with this girl who's his wedlock partner. And they're all just trying to find out where these diamonds is. And of course, she falls in love with him and then changes her mind and they battle it out and. Well, <laughs> you did not care about this movie as much as you implied you would. Well, the plot's not what's important. It's just Rudger Howard having a delightful time. Oh, you can raise your hand on here now. That's weird. It's a weird <laughs> thing that you just did. Yeah. Well, just, you just you just fucked you just fucked up the flow of this podcast by raising your weird little yellow hand in the I've never seen it before and it just says raise hand and lower hand. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Fucking skates. It's new apparently. Yeah. So what'd you but think yeah. is Doug? How about how about them head explosions? Obviously yeah. Noah loved this movie. So how did you feel, Doug? Um well, I'm a fan of the running man, so obviously anybody that steals a small part of the running man and tries to turn it into a full length movie, that's gonna get my attention. Mm-hmm. Um now that having been said, ah, this movie's not good. God damn it, it, Doug. (laughs) See, here's the thing. It's going to be a rough week for Noah. (laughs) Rudger Hauer is miscast because they are trying to have him be like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type because they stole their plot from The Running Man. And he's not capable of doing that. So he spends the whole movie dropping one-liners that just fall completely flat and are boring as shit. Really? See, I kind of thought... I kind of thought the exact opposite because his character is supposed to be kind of like the nerd that's kind of like trapped in this situation where he needs to be a badass, but he's not a badass. And the problem is, is that Rudger Hauer can totally play a badass and you're sitting there the whole time like, why is he being a little bitch through this whole movie? Okay, Rudger Hauer is at this stage in his life not really like a badass, not an action movie style badass. He could be probably pull off badass in a more grindhousey movie, but not an action movie. And he's also not capable of playing a nerd. So playing a nerd that's trying to be a badass really outside his range at this point in his career. Weirdly, if you drop like the Arnold one liners, like we said, mm-hmm. and then you switch James Remar and Rutger Hauer around, mm-hmm. I feel like it would come off a lot better. Oh yeah, sure. Rudger Howard's yeah. the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would make a lot more sense if yeah. he was the if he was the menacing evil guy that didn't get quite as much screen time, unfortunately, but would be sort of the threat of the movie. I think it'd work a lot better. But he's mm-hmm. miscast in the role that he's in, and as a result, like 
that Steven Tobolowsky guy that we like mm. is kind of the only guy, only performance in the movie that I enjoy watching. And he doesn't, he, as discussed, he never has more than a couple of minutes of screen time <laughs> than anything. So it's really hard to get into this movie because I, I just don't want to hear any of the people talk at all. Most of the action doesn't really work because it feels very kind of like it was done on a made for TV budget. Um, so there's a number of scenes well, it, where like it was it was of, made for TV. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes because it was made for HBO, I believe. Right. And sometimes made for HBO stuff doesn't feel that way. But this one does. Um, so there's a lot of these moments where like for whatever reason, they're like 100 yards apart and their necklaces start beeping. And they have to try to get closer together. And none of them feel exciting. Even the one where he fucking diehards out the window and slides down the side of the building so that he can like fall at the same rate as her while she's in the elevator still isn't exciting because it just doesn't doesn't have that tension that a good action movie would have. This is the most 90s direct video type of movie I've seen in a long time. Like as soon as it starts going, you're like, oh, that's right. That's what these movies used to feel like. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be exciting when a guy climbs down the outside of a building, mm. but it's just not somehow they made it not like it's not, it doesn't look good the way it would in a modern movie. And it's not like fun and stupid the way it would be in an eighties movie. It's just that weird middle ground of the nineties that are just like, I don't, I don't understand how you made that not exciting. <laughs> how, how am I not enjoying watching Rudger Howard go down the outside of a building? I should be. And there should be tension there as to whether or not he's going to live like in a, in a well-made action movie. There's even though you on a realistic level, you know that these people have plot armor. you still feel the tension when they're separated and you can f- hear that beeping noise implying that their heads might explode. But you don't feel that here. Is there is there fuzz coming through on my microphone or something? No. OK, I was just making sure my screen kept lighting up like I was talking. Yeah, mine's doing it too. Now, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have the same problem with the next movie. But where I feel like I've seen a better version of this movie already. So this doesn't really excite me. Unfortunately. But wait a what about them head explosions? Sure. If there's, a, if there's like a lot more head explosions, I could probably get into this movie a little more. And And what about at the end when... Whenever he's talking to the the ex, and he's like, "I don't know whatever I saw in you," and then she goes, "My ass," <laughs> which is weirdly <laughs> one of the things I always remember from this movie. So, is her saying "my ass" and then her chest getting exploded? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you were a bigger fan of this movie than I was. Does I anybody... mean, it's not. I'm not. I'm not trying to th- sell this as one of the greatest movies of all time. No, I know, but I it's just honestly a fun, was bored throughout. Cheesy. Most of it. Yeah. Thing. See, here's the thing. Have you guys been to the director's IMDb list? No. From the director of Cujo, from the director of Alligator, from the director of Jewel of the Nile. Oh, what yeah. the fuck happened? Like, <laughs> this guy knows team, how to right? make a fun movie. Yeah. Oh. Like, like this guy knows how to make a fun movie. Why didn't he? So like, and that's where I'm saying, I think it is like just the HBO made for TV. We just need this pumped out on time, on budget as quick as you can. HBO budgets, HBO producers probably. Yeah. Like it feels, it feels like it's just like, we don't care. Right. It feels like when you watch like a Warner brothers movie and you're like, 
oh, I see. They don't give a shit about their characters. They're not tell- here to tell a story. It's just like hit the beats, action meet every so often, kind of a really bland, predictable storyline. Just just get it out there. That's all we want is we want it out there. Yeah, I think I think my problem with the movie, it, my biggest one, is that it's too clean. I don't it, is, it is very clean. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. it's like brightly colored and kind of polished. And I, I think this movie would uh, behoove being a little skankier. No, I don't know. N- not necessarily like uh, super exploitive or anything, but just if you could no. put a little sheen of sleaze on it. Sure. It would be more forgivable. Or just make it fun, right? Like, just make it 80s action style fun. Because that'd be a lot better. Because, I mean, there's a scene in this movie where the, the, the couple that's wedlocked together is in a hotel and the cops show up to arrest them and somebody else just starts taking out the cops and they have no idea who it is. Like, because it's the people who are trying to help them escape so they can find the jewels and that we find that out later. But we don't know who's taking out the cops and they don't know who's taking out the cops and they're standing there all confused. And it's like, that could be such a fun moment, but it just isn't. And that's just, right. that's what's wrong with this movie. If that was like, if this was an 80s action movie, those cops' head be blowing up, blood would be splatting on Rudger Hauer's face and he'd be like all confused and overreacting and it'd be super fun. And they, they just don't do any of that here. So it's just like, oh, police officers are being shot, but no one on screen cares. So why should I care? <laughs> like it's. I was, see, my, one of my favorite parts of the entire movie is in that scene. And that's there's so there's a cop walking up to arrest them and a gloved hand literally breaks through a window with a pistol in it like point blank just like up to that cop's side and just like shoots him in the rib it's like ah! <laughs> it's completely but, unnecessary you've got a gun you could just sh- you could just shoot through the window you don't need to but, smash through the window to shoot the guy but you like that because you enjoy bad filmmaking you're, at this point you're laughing at the movie not with the movie and that is different the same for me <laughs> okay but for rational normal human beings it's different. <laughs> so <laughs> I accept that. Uh, anything else you love about this movie now? Uh, I don't know. I feel like once they get to the, uh, the like the industrial park fight scene, like the last, I don't know what, 15, 20 minutes of the movie picks up and has in its better paced. Like the beginning of the movie's fine. The end of the movie's fine. And the middle of the movie kind of just kind of, drags a bit yeah i would definitely agree with that because we have to go through all this shit where like she goes to her ex-fiance to break up his wedding and finds out that like his dad sent her to prison and then basically he was like he was just supposed to pay you off what the fuck was that all about yeah i forgot about that stupidness first of all let's let's get right into this because this is more interesting than the actual movie why the fuck is there this side plot to start with other than to pad the running time but then we literally have a scene in this movie where she's like we got to stop and break up my ex-boyfriend's wedding because coincidentally the day we broke out of jail is also the day of his wedding and Rutger Hauer is like, no, we don't have time to do that because of, you know, all the people trying to kill us and everything. So she just jumps off the boat they've stolen. And she's like, fine, then both of our heads are going to blow up. Like, what a <laughs> whiny little bitch move that is. Like, just stomping your feet like a small child. No, then if we don't get to break up my boyfriend's wedding, then you don't get to survive. So take that. 
It's like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? And then we do. We like we end up following them to a wedding and dealing with all that. And I'm like, why are we going through this? It's like, how is this part of this movie? It, it is just as weird. It's like a Last Jedi like side, like just uh, we need something for this character to do. So just invent a storyline totally. center on that tangent for a while, and then just bring her back later in. And now we're back in the story again. And it's like that's totally it. They're like, we got 15 minutes to fill. Uh, come up with a backstory. Uh, she interrupts her former fiance's wedding. Beautiful. Right as up. Let's it's, do it. Like, what are they like an improv group or are they making an action movie? Make up your mind. Like it's, <laughs> it's so ludicrous. And the whole thing is like, and then it's like, she got thrown in jail. Like, I guess, what are you talking about? Like, she's this, <laughs> she's a villain of the movie at this point. She's like helping set Rutger Hauer up. And it turns out, Oh, she was framed and put in jail against you. Like, it's like, what happened? <laughs> like, uh, it, it really feels like something out of a different movie. Like, they're like, you know what this movie is missing? It's 15 minutes of it where it's a romantic comedy instead of an action movie. <laughs> and then we got to deal with like people like commenting on the, because their necklaces that blow up are still around their necks this whole time. So now they're at a wedding and we got to deal with people commenting on them and acting like they think they're jewelry. Is that supposed to be funny? Is that, was that a joke by this movie's standards? I guess so. I don't, sorry. That, I forgot how much that part upset me. I think I blocked it out so I wouldn't have to think about it. <laughs> went into a rage almost destroyed his laptop i should have that's what i should have done is destroyed my laptop uh what do you think else no do you want to mention any more parts so that the rest of us can get upset about them (laughs) (laughs) no i don't think that's it they did introduce uh i don't know if you noticed but there's only two black people in the entire movie and they both die (laughs) I, I didn't pick up on that. That's a little. That's a little nineties ish. Very nineties. Yeah. It's. I don't even remember. Did they say something funny before they died? Uh, no, because the one guy is the dude in the prison that's giving him a hard time. Oh, that's it's, right. And, so I have and, to... and Rudger Hauer kills him by jamming a broomstick in his collar and twisting it so that it gets tampered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then his innocent partner dies too. Hey, although that dude's also a douche. So the movie was just like convenient. They were like, hey, this douche is going to die. And this other douche as well. I just want to go on the record and say that I have the IMDb page open up here. And I count at least four black actors. And that's just the ones that have their pictures showing. So there's also several people who just don't bother to have pictures because they're not (laughs) well known and i have no idea i'm not going to look into their their uh, ethnic backgrounds well i just like the fact that they like introduce that character at the end he's like ah this is my buddy he's gonna help us and they're like yeah and he's like yeah we're cool and we're good friends dead yeah but that's just what happens in this type of movie that is like the most stereotypical plot point you could have, right? Well, and see, uh, it's, I got to do this one more job before I quit doing it to go live a normal life. It's as deuce ex as it gets too, because at the end of the movie, he's like, oh yeah, he already fenced the diamonds. So we don't, we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. Just this, this feels like what would happen if you had a, like a bot that wrote your action movie for you. <laughs> and that bot had just watched some decent movies before it. So it was able to steal a couple of plot points, but 
then it accidentally saw that romantic comedy too. So, yeah, yeah. just watch uh, the Running Man instead. Yep. No, Rugger Hour movie. Watch it. <laughs> Is the Running? We've done the Running Man already, haven't we? I feel like we have to. Have. All right. Well, then I'm just going to rewatch it on my own and not put it on the list. I mean, we may not have. I don't know. I've watched it since we've been doing this show because a friend of mine had never seen it. And I was like, well, that's ridiculous. So we're watching it right now. But I don't know if we've done it on the show or not. Huh. Yeah. Wedlock's on YouTube. Uh, it's a pretty decent copy, although I think it's a full screen crop, which kind of sucks, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fine. I don't think it is it a full screen crop, though, or is it just how the film was shot? Because it is a direct TV to TV th- movie. I think it's crop. Okay. Because I think I read some stuff uh, about people saying it looks way better on the like international DVD and Blu-ray and stuff. For for the purposes of argument, I'm going to insist that it was shot full screen because it was made in 1990 for television. So acceptable. Now we don't agree with each other, and now we're fighting, and now it's more interesting for the listeners at home. Mm-hmm. I, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. We're agreeing on fighting. This doesn't make sense. Well, Doug, why don't you take us to the far flung future of 2022 and tell us about No Escape? That was just a a sweet accident. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we put the movie on the list, I think it was still 2020. We had no idea it was going to be on there this long. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um,. Let's see. So the movie opens up with a group of soldiers and kind of out of nowhere, one of them just ups and murders his commanding officer. Cut to yeah, like like in the opening, like I'm just sitting there waiting for something to happen. I, I did. Yeah, I, I thought it was a painting at first. <laughs> it's so still. And then people are walking across screen. I'm like, OK, it's not a map painting. It's actual shot. The, the one guy just murders the other dude. And you're like, oh, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Um, so yeah but, uh, we find out that guy is Ray Liotta and that the guy he killed is his commanding officer and as a consequence Ray Liotta is being sentenced to life on this prison island complex which basically they just drop prisoners off there and that's it you're there for life you, there's no way off there's really no guards on the island per se and you just uh so he's dropped in with the, you know, quote unquote, bad guy prisoners who are, you know, living very Lord of the Flies ish. Lots of violence, yeah. fighting. Well, you're, you're, you're skipping a bit. He gets sent to the the uh, super max ultra prison that's in the middle of a desert. And then he won't behave there. So then they send him to the Highland prison. That's a good point. But double, double prisons. I feel in to some extent like the box art and the trailer for this movie showed him on the island. So that whole desert part was just pointless. Um, anyways. Hmm. Um, so anyways, he's dropped with the bad prisoners. He manages to escape from them and he comes across the good prisoners who are led by Lance Henriksen and they are living a peaceful existence where everybody gets along nicely and everybody's happy. And he makes friends with a guy played by Kevin Dillon, who's, you know, he's just like a guy that got tricked into joining a bad gang. And he's really a nice guy, yada, yada, yada. And there are 
these guys, it turns out, are secretly trying to get off the island. And he ends up befriending them and defending them from the other guys and trying to help them get off the island while fighting back against the warden, who is naturally evil. Because wardens are evil in movies. That's how that works. Yeah, they're evil in real life, too. So. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah, I mean, that's plot wise. That's all that happens. I think there's supposed to be a character arc for the Ray Liotta character where he um, is sort of shocked by everything that went on in his past that led to him killing his officer and that he uses that trauma to help him come to terms with uh, wanting to befriend the, uh, the good guy prisoners. But they forgot to portray that in the movie. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of adding it myself, for, if I'm being honest. Um, I was going to say, I feel like Ray Liotta gave one of the most emotionless performances in this movie. Well, okay. And I think that, but I think they couldn't decide if like, well, he has no emotion and that's why he's in prison. But he keeps having these PTSD flashbacks, so they're trying to give him emotions. And I'm like, I don't know. You guys need to pick a lane and go with it. Because here's the thing, and this is the problem. We just discussed um, Stallone in uh, First Blood a couple of weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to do the same thing here. Because Stallone in that is very calm, emotionless quick quick burst of violence as necessary like it's very much the same character and they have the difference is they're trying to have him be that guy but then kind of come out of his shell and join this new group of people because they befriend him um and the idea is that by the end he's sort of regained his emotions but the problem is that they just don't portray that on screen and the other problem is that instead of having him gradually change from one character to the other, they just have scenes where he's one and scenes where he's the other, and it's left us to fill in the blanks. So, uh, yeah. It's it's really kind of weird. Because, like, it's Ray Liotta that's the main character. You know mm-hmm. he's capable of the performance. Like, he's not a bad actor by any stretch of the imagination. It's 1994. It's like a couple of years after Goodfellas. Like, you know he can act. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just... I mean, I guess you're automatically going to want to put the blame on the director if you ever check out what else he directed. So, mm. I mean, if, if you're responsible for Green Lantern, then you're going to be held accountable <laughs> for the problems in everything else you've done. That's what I'm trying to get out there. See, now no is going to be conflicted. Why? Because you hate Green Lantern. Yeah. It made like, a shitty movie. And you like this movie. Because <laughs> this movie is great. <laughs> I think I would disagree with that statement. Thief of Joy. Number one, I feel like this movie is way too long. It is almost exactly two hours. I don't need to spend that much time on this island. It literally was to the point where I was like, oh, this is the big final battle. Like they're starting to wrap stuff up. So I decided to see how much time was left. And there was a whole another hour left. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Was that when that the... was that was the middle battle? It was the middle battle, yeah. Yeah, when the bad guy prisoners raided the Christmas yeah. party. That's the part, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, shit. <laughs> A whole other hour? And then they basically just, uh, you know, go back to their separate corners. And then like, well, let's try to figure out how to rebuild this city. And then let's raid it again. And then they do. 
and movie over. <laughs> All right. So not entirely incorrect. Um, <laughs> I think you're being a little harsh on the movie. I guess so. I, I, I don't. Again, I feel like I've seen other movies that do this story better. And so I just watch this and go, oh, my God, why is this two fucking hours? <laughs> I, I I think I think the too long is a fair criticism. I think it takes too long to get to the island. Like this mm. movie is supposed to be about the island, and it takes too long to get there. Um, I it think is that, it is an adaptation of a book, which yes. which causes problems. Well, it, it yeah, because I think in a book we probably get. I'm assuming here because it's not like I went back and read the book for this podcast, but <laughs> we probably have either like internal monologue of some kind or like an omniscient narrator telling us what the Ray Liotta character is thinking in a lot of these scenes and between his performance and the way the film is directed it's not coming through at all so we're not following that character we're not following him on his journey and his character arc and therefore we're not invested in most of the things that go on and any any emotions you have towards any of the actors or characters is going to be based entirely on how much you like the actor. So like Ernie Hudson's in this movie. I like his character, but I only like him because he's Ernie Hudson. I don't like him because of anything that happens on screen. You know what I mean? Um, I like the Kevin Dillon performance, but I like him as an actor, or at least I did when he was younger, you know, it's that's see, I'm, but I like all the characters. But just because you recognize their faces and you and you like them, not because of anything that they do on screen. No, not they, not necessarily, because I, I think all the tertiary characters are great, too. So uh, the kind of weird shit talking, charismatic bad guy mm-hmm. is interesting. I have no idea who that actor is. I probably should. See the one with all the tattoos in his face? The, in the three piercings. Oh, the you mean the head the head of the bad yeah guys. yeah the head bad guy okay see I found him entirely uninteresting <laughs> oh see I I find him delightful and then uh, oh god damn it I should know that actor's name too the I want your boots guy it's Kevin J O'Connor thank you he was in uh, Lord of Illusions that we covered on this show yeah yeah he's he's fucking great <laughs> his character's great and then you've got the the fucking cranky old fucking weird dude that's brewing ethanol i liked him yeah i liked him because he's maybe just because he's making the booze and i'm like if i was on that island i'd want booze i mean i even like lance hendrickson's uh benevolent cult leader <laughs> i it's probably the best performance in the movie um is from lance and it's He's just so calm and cool and collected the whole time and casually explaining that like I run this little commune, but I like cult leader is not entirely unreasonable, but it's also, it is kind of an idealistic commune more than a cult. Well, I I think that's supposed to be the whole point. I think it's both. Yeah. I guess they kind of are interconnected, right? Yeah. Uh, And then you've got, oh, fuck. God damn it. The fat dude. What the fuck is his name? King. Oh, King. Yeah. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of one of the other twelve movies that that dude's in playing the same weird, creepy, hmm. effeminate guy. That's kind of his shtick. I always get him and uh, the same character from Beetlejuice mixed up. Oh yeah, yeah, the dude yeah. plays Odo. Yeah, 
But that dude, fucking, even though I d- you dislike his character thoroughly, mostly because of the way he fucking uh, kisses slash presses his tongue against his cross all the time, that you're just like, ew, stop. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Yeah, I don't know if he had that much of an impact on me. It's inappropriately sexual. Man, this guy that played the main bad guy did a bunch of shit that we've seen. Really? He, well, he did a bunch of British stuff like in the 70s and early 80s. And then, uh, let's see, what's the first thing I recognize that he would have been in? He was in Lethal Weapon 3. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. So apparently he only did the third in a franchise. Right. <laughs> Uh, after the next movie he did after this is that weird Exit to Eden movie with Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Somehow I managed not to see that. What's going on? Uh, he was on. He was in The Rock. He was in Mask of Zorro. Um, he was in Hot Fuzz, which may, which is not that surprising. He was apparently he was one of the people in the don't trailer that Edgar Wright did. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. So overall, what do you think, Doug? <laughs> I've expressed that I was not a huge fan. No, I, yeah. You, you guys have made it very clear what your stands are on this. Um, <laughs> I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, I, I thought this movie was okay. Like, I'm just staring at the IMDb page right now, and it has like a six rating. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that seems about right. Like that's, you know, like I've, I haven't seen this movie since the '90s. I didn't hate watching it. I have no interest in watching it again anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's one of those. It's one of those movies that there is an alternate cut of this movie that is like a fucking great movie. You know what I mean? I hope but it's this, shorter. But this I, isn't it. Yeah, I think the movie. This movie would benefit from. Uh, better pacing and maybe 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 that is from being trying not trying like they're trying to be too true to the book or something but imagine if this movie opened up with him being dumped on this island and we have no idea why and then we come to learn about the island and learn his backstory through the telling of this story and in doing that you could also then inform his character have him be this like solemn quiet character with these bursts of violence as necessary and then have him grow into this person so we're seeing kind of the backstory is how he lost his humanity and now we're seeing him get it back or whatever like there could be interesting things you could do with that but again it was 1994 storytelling was linear at that time that's just what they did right and I don't know I think people thought they were making movies more epic by making them longer like I say to me you could have gotten rid of all that stuff at the that desert prison before he gets sent to the really bad prison it's like well why do we need that just to establish the warden yeah but you could have just had him like on the flight over have the warden giving him an evil lecture we would have all understood that stereotypical character right I don't know. Maybe maybe this is one of those movies that I have a uh, more solid attachment to it because it was one of those uh, random finds that came from me renting random VHSs mm. from from a you know a local store and me being like oh yeah fuck yeah he's carrying around a rocket launcher and he fucking that dude gets a spike through his chest. 
I mean, I can see that. I mean, it certainly is the kind of movie that I saw under similar circumstances. And my memory of this is that it's better than it was when I rewatched it. So uh, I can see that. I can see if you have more of a connection to it, how you'd enjoy it more. Yeah. I'm also starting to wonder if I enjoy more of the wild urban environment, such as with like Escape from New York or uh, the Neil Marshall movie Doomsday, which is what I kept sort of comparing Dooms- this movie to. Oh, Dooms- Doomsday borrows from this so fucking hard. This and like Mad Max and Escape from New York kind of puts it all in a blender. Yeah. But I don't know. This is the first time I've watched this movie. I've always kind of wanted to watch it, but I was just underwhelmed. Well, it feels to like the idea of this prison island that no one can escape from. And you've got these two conflicting tribes that have erupted. One is, you know, built more of a reasonable society. And the other one is more Lord of the Flies. And Mm. then those two societies are clashing. But I think it feels like there's more there than this movie gets into. And it's like there's a lot of weird shit like there's. So there's a supply drop on the island, right? Mm-hmm. Every however often. And they talk about how they, they they go into all the detail about how like, oh, they drop it in a different spot each time so that nobody can try to like sneak up on the helicopter and all this other shit. What they don't get into is so the the quote unquote bad guys, there's like 700 of them and like 100 of Lance Henriksen's crew. So the bad guys take all of the supplies every time. And Lance has convinced his crew, like, we're going to let them have it. It's not, we don't want to be fighting constantly. So that is just for them. So enough supplies for 700 people are being dropped off. 600 people are taking those supplies. Yet somehow they're starving to death. Well, that doesn't immediately make sense to me. And they don't discuss that at all. Like, <laughs> Well, there's no sense. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't entire a, a whole lot of stuff doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that they're dropping supplies on the island to begin with, because it's pretty obvious that the warden is sending those people there to die. Yeah, I mean, I like whenever he drops off like, Ray Liotta's character, he intentionally drops him by the cannibals. Yeah, but that's because Ray Liotta was mean to him. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It just it just doesn't make any sense because if everybody's if there's constantly this churn of death on the island, it's not like they're keeping them alive in case a prison inspector comes so that they can fly them back real quick and be like, oh, no, they're all here. But I mean, I'll, I'll give the movie enough that it's a prison island. Everybody there has a life sentence, but they're not actually killing them. They're just sending them there to live out their sentence. Well, and it's and it's illegal. I mean, you guys got that part of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like that. That is a I guess I didn't mention that in my plot description, but one of the big talking points is whoever can escape. The idea is if we can get a couple of people out and the public finds out about this island, there'll be an uproar and everybody else will get to at least leave the island. If not, they won't necessarily get to go home, but they'll at least won't be living like this anymore. You know, mm-hmm. be back in a normal prison. Uh, the scene I did like is visually. This is the scene where Ray Liotta walks out of the city and sees like the head on a pike. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, like you said, 600 people just come tearing ass out of the woods at him. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I was just like, oh shit. I thought that like both times that the big raiding parties attacked the, the sort of hippie commune, I thought those were both pretty good battles. I liked that. 
I mean, anytime that there's action going on, it's pretty good. The problem is there's those lulls between the action yeah. that could have been felt filled with character development, like you guys said, but instead is oftentimes just filled with kind of banal day in the life stuff. Yeah. Did another problem I had with this movie, um, when Lance Henriksen gives his speech about like rebuilding society and he's trying to explain like the benefits of, you know, being there, he actually goes into part of it is talking about how much better they have it there than people who are in a traditional prison. Cause Hey, like, yeah, we're stuck here just like you would be there, but here we're free. We do what we want all day. We choose to live together and work together and, or we can wander off on our own if we want. Nobody's making you do anything you don't want to do. So maybe that's better than living in a cage. And he kind of convinced me. <laughs> and then they turn around like five minutes later and they're like, and that's why we're trying to get off the Island. And you're like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so you're trying to get back to the cage. Why wouldn't you stay here? <laughs> like, Maybe you need to get those other guys off the island and you just get to keep it for yourself. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be a lot better. Because like by the end of that speech, I'm like, I would much rather be living in this hippie commune on this island than I would in a prison. Like, <laughs> it is it is pretty great in the end. So they set up this impossible threat. And at the end, the impossible threat gets handled so fucking easily. Because mm-hmm. they basically bait the giant army into running into the center of the town, which they've set up with basically liquor bombs all over the place. And they just <laughs> hit them with the fucking rocket launcher. And they're like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> Problem solved. Like, that is great. They all run in and they're like, ah, then they get there. They just sort of stop and look around like, where the fuck is everybody? And Lance gets to kill the bad guy. I like that at the end. They're like, this is Ray Liotta's movie. No, it's not. Final bad guy kill goes to Lance because he's better. <laughs> I was going to say the one good, one of the best scenes of the movie, once again, is Lance Hendricks performance where everybody keeps talking about how uh, the crime he did that supposedly was this crime of passion and everybody believes that he's the innocent guy and all that. And then, of course, he's talking to Ray Liotta and makes a little speech of, no, I fucking murdered them. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I am a bad person. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is you get the impression that everyone there deserved a life prison sentence. So I don't feel that bad for them. You know what I mean? Well, maybe, maybe with the exception of uh, Dylan's character. Kevin Dylan's character? Why? Yeah. Because he was the low man on the totem pole of the gang that was doing kidnappings for profit? Well, I don't know. Like, if you're just if you're just the driver and the gopher boy for the kidnapping gang, you can still go to life sentence as far as I'm concerned. Like, it's a life a life sentence is one thing i don't know there's there's a difference between torture and yes just tossing the people out there like that on the island inappropriate we agree even within the confines of the movie though that that was illegal right right well but even the prison where they're like you know electroshocking people for keeping a dinner roll you know yes that's wrong that part was ludicrous they're like trying to force ray liotta to shock the guy that handed him a dinner roll it's like what is going on here it's just a weird i i think the whole point is it's this just weird authoritarian fantasy of the warden yeah but uh, yeah but i think also too they were just 
they didn't, I don't know, they didn't want the time spent on anything other than just like, let's just, we, we don't need a character here. We need, everyone knows he's evil. Okay, let's have him do an evil thing and we can move on, you know? So I read in the trivia <clears throat> that Ernie Hudson agreed to do this movie. Because it was the first movie he did right after The Crow. And he just got so bummed out by Brandon Lee dying that he just wanted to get as far away from everything as possible. And that bummed me out while I was watching the movie. Oh, Ernie Hudson was the cop in The Crow, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's really good in The Crow, too. I like his performance a lot. That really does kind of... All right. Well, anything else? He stuck knives in all the T-Birds, organs, in alphabetical order. (laughs) You should watch uh, the crow. Put the crow on the list. My favorite was always, at least it did do that walking against the wind shit. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> God, God, bang, fuck, I'm dead. God damn it, that movie's so good. Going on the list. Crow and the Crow 2, City of Angels. Mm. We'll do a crow month. We'll do all four of the crow movies and see how that goes. Crow, Crow 1, great movie, okay soundtrack. Crow 2, okay movie, great soundtrack. I disagree, I think they were both great soundtracks. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Oh, now 2's fucking amazing. It's it's all new metal, but but it was like, I don't know, that perfect moment. It's like fucking just corn and filter and all those bands. It's dope. I'm beginning to think Noah might have been a juggalo back in the day. I liked ICP. Oh, Jesus Christ. Where are we coming from here? <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, our segment break. <laughs> Talking about Noah being a juggalo. Not a, I'm definitely not a juggalo. <laughs> You're a juggalo. You drink Fago all the time. I've seen you. I do like the root beer Fago. <laughs> it's your face painted right now. Send your mama straight up to the stove. Tell that bitch to bring home the Fago. <laughs> I owned Riddlebox. Riddlebox was a good album. Shut uh, the fuck up. I don't even know the words that are coming out of your mouth. But I'm glad I didn't stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. I'm t- Magnets, how I'm do they work? Your judgment. Oh, juggalos are the worst. All right, has anybody watched anything since last week? Uh, things. <laughs> Don't sound very positive. Well, I'm trying to remember because I watched two things and I can only remember what one of them the fuck was. Uh, but I actually watched uh, an Inspector Calls from 2015, which is a uh, adaptation of the play of the same name, which is a basically a rich English family are having dinner one night and there's a knock at the door and it is an inspector who says that he's investigating the suicide of a young woman. He then through various means gets them all to confess their uh, wicked deeds toward this girl that they all basically contributed to her suicide. Uh, 
he then kind of like leaves them there after talking about it for a little while. They all start to doubt that any of it was real and that this girl was really their responsibility. So they call around to the local police and the local hospitals and there's been no suicide. And so they're like, aha, we're innocent. But then it turns out to be a weird supernaturally thing where a girl does commit suicide and it is all their fault. And because they've called around to all the hospitals and police, they've (laughs) fucking basically incriminated themselves in her death. Uh, It's pretty good. Uh, The inspector is played by the actor whose name I can't remember, but he was Remus in the Harry Potter series. The the werewolf guy. I have no idea. Or not Remus Lupin. No, Remus Lupin. Yeah, same guy. Still don't know. I've watched them all exactly once. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't ever seen the play, but I've read the play and the, the only thing that's kind of weird in the film version is that it kind of fully lets you know that this inspector is some kind of supernatural being in the end. Cause he kind of like vanishes and in the play, it's more just left to the audience. I mean, it's obvious that there's something going on, but yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of it. It's pretty good. Sounds I mean, depressing. it's, it's depressing because it's, because it's basically the destruction of this girl's life. Like, uh, she's fired from her job working for the dad. And then she gets another job and the mother and the sister go there and she fucks something up and they basically throw a piss fit and force the manager to fire her again. Then she's down on her luck and she meets this guy who she thinks is all great. And the guy turns out to be the husband of the sister. So she's now in an affair and then he breaks things off. And that fucks her up. And then she meets another guy who's actually the youngest son and he gets her pregnant and she goes to the, um, you know, he, he isn't helping her out and all that kind of stuff. So she goes to the, Oh, what the fuck was there used to be, you know, there used to be the houses for unwed mothers or whatever the fuck it was way back in the day. Yeah. She basically goes to that and lo and behold, it's operated by the mom who then basically tells her, well, you shouldn't have fucked somebody. You're gross. Get out. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And basically they destroy her whole life. And then she commits suicide by fucking drinking uh, disinfectant. Yeah. And so she dies in horrible agony. (laughs) It's pretty awful. Didn't Trump tell us that we could do that to fight COVID though? Yes, he did. Wait, you're saying that wasn't accurate? (laughs) <laughs> That's you, should, you should stop drinking that, Doug. Uh oh. You been giving Lando uh, disinfectant juice boxes? That's correct. I've been feeding oh. my child disinfectant, and I've decided to announce it publicly here. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, nobody listens to this show, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just a test to see if we have any real listeners. Yeah. I'd get reported for sure if anyone was actually listening. <laughs> Uh, I reached the end of season six of uh, The Next Generation. Yeah. Man, it uh, got even better toward the end. You Riker, know, most. Riker fuck up a storm all the way through. Oh my six. God, he's still <laughs> fucking. 
And then I finally got to the episode where, you know, it turns out that there was a transporter malfunction and there's actually been two Rikers this entire time. And like it ends with like Riker number two going off into the world to go lay even more pipe. (laughs) (laughs) So Riker can now lay pipe in two places at the same time. Wait, there's been two Rikers on this show the whole time? Well, it turns out that through the entire series, there would have been two Rikers. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. It happened before the first episode starts. Oh. So this other that's Riker it. has been trapped on this ship for fucking 10 years or something crazy like oh, that. So there's not, there's not just two of them walking around the ship and nobody realizes it? No. <laughs> no, no. But no. But then that's what in. I thought you were saying, that there was like. You know, two Rikers and everybody just, just thought it was just one oh, for like be, six seasons. That would be even better. Where it's like, <laughs> we've be been amazing. twin brothers fucking with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought they just kept that the Enterprise was so big. They kept missing each other. And it's like six years. We have <laughs> we worked in the same room and didn't realize it. Because that would have been amazing. Oh, my God. They were they were both clean shaven in the first season, and they both grew their beard out starting in season two. Yeah, see, I was gonna say it's it it is pretty impressive how they like started winding things down. So like the first several seasons are very just episodic, you know what I mean, kind of monster of the week style, yeah, storytelling. But once you get to these last couple seasons, they're doing like callbacks to all of the other episodes and tying off all the loose strings. That were just left hanging randomly, <laughs> which is, I don't know, that's it's cool. It's good storytelling where they were like, you know, this show's coming to an end. Let's actually like put all this stuff to bed. Oh, I wonder if there's been any other shows that famously failed to do that and pissed me off. The, the answer to that is almost all of them. Yes, but <laughs> Is there, there have been one, specific is, ones. Is there one you're going to talk about tonight? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I just when he said that I had lost flashbacks is what happened. Oh, like a, that was the specific reference. I like you. like Johnny Rambo in the jail cell, like just flashing back the nom. That was me when you're talking about tying off loose ends, and I'm just fucking thinking about all the I, shit they didn't I answer in that show. I see. Thought, I, I, I think thought, I thought Nikki Nikki and Paulo tied it all up very nicely, Doug. Yeah. People stayed people stayed on the lost train for too long, I think is the problem. Like the first two seasons were good. Well, the problem is ABC stayed on the lost train for too long. Yeah, I'll I'll give it up. The end of season three, I think, of Lost, I think that it was meant to end there, and they're like, nah, let's keep going. And that's when they just started opening up all these questions that they had no plans of answering. Yeah. And they kept publicly saying, don't worry, it all ties together. We're going to answer all these questions. And then they never even fucking tried. It was purgatory. And, uh, it was purgatory the whole that, time. To... That only. Uh, never mind. Fuck it all. <laughs> I'm not getting it. This I don't want to get. No. Listen, I, it was I'm, all a flashback. It was all a flashback to their time mm. on the island because they're in purgatory now. <laughs> they weren't in purgatory then. Then it was just a weird island. They're in purgatory now. Post island. I know. Which fuck the purgatory stuff. The weird island is what we're interested in. Tell us about yes. that. Yes. Remember That's, when uh, the blast that, door came down and there was a map on the back of it and everybody like freaked out and 
how how fun all that stuff was. You guys remember how exciting it was the first time you saw the smoke monster? You were like, Uh, ooh, there's a fucking smoke monster on this island. What the fuck is going on? Oh, that dude's a cripple and he can walk now. What the fuck? (laughs) That had to be one of the best reveals ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the lock, the lock episode. Yeah, where so, the whole episode so fucking good. Whole episode you don't realize he's been in a wheelchair until the very end. And then you're like, but he's not in a wheelchair now. Oh my god. god damn it. <laughs> god, that show was so good for such a short amount of time. It's uh yeah, it was so good for the amount of time that they wanted to make it. And then when they just started doing it for the cash grab, it's a real hard line real obvious yeah fuck that show <laughs> did you watch anything else Noah? no no that's pretty much it what about you doug <laughs> i'm assuming lost a, a lost rewatch was not on your list no I, I got some tv into me though i am still working my way through what we do in the shadows yes but I've, I've actually put it on hold for now just because i don't want to be done too soon oh that's a good idea so I've like had, to, but I, I got through the end of season one, and my God, that vampire council at the end! Oh, isn't that amazing? <laughs> like I'd heard about it, but I just didn't realize how good it was going to be. Fucking, like, fucking Wesley Snipe is on Skype, and he's lagging so far behind that he's answering it, questions from like three minutes ago. It's so fun, and it's I love that all <laughs> of them are there acting like they're. Um, they're vampire characters, but they're all just using their actor names. It's so weird. <laughs> like, what is happening? I did not expect Danny Trejo to be there. That was fun. <laughs> and they all start commenting on his chest tattoos and shit. <laughs> the one I felt, uh, um, Evan Rachel Wood, I thought was like really putting her heart and soul into uh, that performance. <laughs> it's such a small part. And she's really, really genuinely acting. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why isn't she just enjoying herself on set? But she seems to be taking it very seriously. <laughs> Good for her. I guess she's an artist. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, but yeah. Yeah, it, it's super fun. I don't even know. I mean, the, the episode where, what's his name, turns into a bat and he flies into the house and then somebody whacks him with a broom and he's unconscious and gets taken to the animal sanctuary. <laughs> it's so stupid when you explain it, but it's so funny. The best, part of the, the best part of the whole thing is that when he, he wakes up in the cage and he starts talking to the other animals about how are we going to get out of here and then they let him out and then he's like now he feels an obligation to go back and free the other animals too he's like I told my fellow prisoners that I'd release them if I could get away and he's like he feels obligated to go I love that part man I was watching it the one day I was going to message you guys I, I forgot to message you guys but like the one day I just he yells bat and he starts flying uh-huh. and I realize nobody else yells bat when they're going to fly. Nope. So that's not, that's not part of like the magic. That's just <laughs> no. a thing he does. <laughs> and it's so much funnier now. <laughs> he does it throughout the entire series. <laughs> For a while I thought that's how he evoked his magic powers. Um, and wow. I'm just like, all right. And then all of a sudden when I realized, no, he doesn't have to do that. It's just, he just wants to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just wait till season two all right it's not it's not a spoiler just when you get to the jackie daytona episode 
it's, okay. probably, it's probably the hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life. I'll keep that in mind. So, um, I will never pay my debts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about when, uh, when, uh, what's his name? Colin Robinson met that other emotional vampire, but she's like the one that has to make everyone sad. And yeah. they teamed up for an episode. <laughs> oh my god, that was fun. And they're just like, eventually they just bore the shit out of each other like they're doing to everybody else and they can't work together anymore. Well, and they like literally destroy the office because they drain everyone dead. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh god, I bought those on Voodoo. I think I need to go rewatch the yeah. first couple seasons. Well, one of my favorite jokes in the whole show is there's the orgy episode. And when they're all talking about, you know, we can't have a bad orgy like he who should not be named. And every time they're like, you mean Mike? Yes, fucking Mike. <laughs> they keep doing it over and over again. It's so good. I mean, the, have, you, have you got to the episode with Nick Kroll yet? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where they go with, to like the club and he's. Yeah. The curse, the cursed hat. Where they're yeah. fighting over the cursed hat. Oh my god. Forgot about the, that. The hat is fucking cursed. No, it isn't. <laughs> Something <laughs> just falls over and bursts into flames. <laughs> when your hat gets stuck, his cape gets stuck in a door of a cab, and the cab just drives off and it's just dragging a vampire behind. <laughs> For no reason. I'm trying to remember what they explain. Like, it's something like the hat is just a thousand witches' anuses sewn together or something, <laughs> something like weird that. like yeah. that. Uh, uh, God, it's such a good show. And again, the movie is so good that when they announce the show, you're like, eh, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> But then you watch the show and you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to eclipse the movie because there's so much more of it. Yeah. And that's I think that's all it is. It's just because there's more of it. Yeah. Oh, but it's so damn good. He's this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old Nandor. Nandor just gets better and better as the seasons go on, too. <laughs> The weird thing is Amanda was watching some like British, like, I don't know, like garden competition show on Netflix. Some, I don't know, bullshit that I would never watch. But Nadja is like one of the hosts of it. Is that right? And she, her accent's not quite as thick as it is in the show, but it's pretty damn close. And it just seemed weird seeing her in a regular dress talking that way about flowers. I don't, I don't want to see that. I mean, I wasn't going to watch. There's no risk of me just accidentally watching that or anything. Yeah. It was just unsettling. I'm like, this isn't right. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to know that. I don't want to know about that. I haven't even gone to like, like normally like when I'm watching a show like that, I'm fidgeting with my phone. I always end up on IMDb, but I haven't done that with that show. Cause it's like, I don't want to know if these people are in anything else. I just want them to be no. these characters. Now, uh, Nandor has, has an American accent. He was on. He was on a couple episodes of Legends of Tomorrow. Okay, it was, it was weird because, I mean, he's got he's got his hair pulled up into like a man bun because he's like a weird alien bro guy. Okay, but he still has the beard. But then he's just talking in like a regular voice, and I'm like, I don't like this. This is terrible. Well, the funny thing that. is, 
the funny thing is his accent is fake in the show. It's pretty obvious. Like, I, oh, I, totally. I, don't, I don't think he's trying to do a good accent. Like he's trying to do no. a cheesy fake accent. Totally. Which, the fact that he can hold it for seasons of the show is kind of fascinating. <laughs> but the whole thing too, where he decided to become an American citizen because he found out that his country didn't exist, but it hadn't existed for like 500 years. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, I think this might be my new favorite, like not my new, but like my favorite show. It's been a while since I've had a favorite show, but every time a new season starts, I'm so excited for, to start watching it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really good. So I didn't go back to watching it now. Yeah. I think I just finished my break because of this conversation (laughs) (laughs) episode over. I got to go watch what we do in the shadows. Uh, You want to hear about, Something that might or might not have been a comedy that I did not enjoy as much. I guess so, but we could all just stop and go watch what we do in the shadows. All right. Later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I watched uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Oh, I have it on Blu-ray just because I want to like the entire John Carpenter filmography yeah. have not watched it because it, I, i've never seen it before but i don't know if i ever want to watch it so i saw it when i was younger and i couldn't remember if i liked it or not so i'm like i've been meaning to rewatch it ever since well you don't know me how long things sit on my mm, watch list sure. when horror etc did our john carpenter <laughs> retrospective <laughs> you know the show that I was on before the show I was on before this. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to watch it then, and I, for whatever reason, I couldn't find a copy of it at the time. So it's been sitting on my watch list ever since. Um, finally got around to it. And man, never before when I'm watching a movie have I been watching a movie and gone, wow, the director in the end, star, clearly didn't get along on set. <laughs> I, I certainly don't need to Google this. Um, it is real obvious that John Carpenter is making a comedy and Chevy Chase just yeah. is so good at being funny in so many things. It's just like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not being funny in this movie. Fuck you. And it's like, but do something funny. Everybody else is trying to be funny. Just be funny, too. It's a fuck. You're a fucking Chevy Chase is an invisible man. Be funny. And he's like, no, I will not be funny. I will not make a joke. I will not crack a smile. I won't bump into anything. Nothing. Uh, it's like, what are you doing? Why are you playing this serious? Stop. Just fucking <laughs> be Chevy Chase. You're so good at being Chevy Chase. This is mm-hmm. National Lampoon's invisible vacation is what we all <laughs> see. And you're not fucking doing it. I think it's obvious after last week's conversation that they miscast Chevy Chase. It should have got Ed Begley Jr. instead. Yes, they should have. (laughs) He'd have been so much better. And it's just like, I don't know if his ego just couldn't fit in the same room as John Carpenter's mustache or what it is. But fuck, it's so obvious that one of them is trying to make one movie and another one's trying to make another movie. And it's the fucking comedian that refuses to make the comedy. I don't understand. Maybe... He was trying to fuck Daryl Hannah. <laughs> Maybe. I guess. I mean, that's, that's Lord knows I would the, have. That's effectively the plot of the movie. If you're if anyone's wondering. <laughs> but it's like, ah, oh, I wonder. It's, it's just, just, I think it's, it's probably just Chevy Chase being a dick. Yeah. So 
you know, they've all kind of agreed, like, well, this is, I mean, obviously we've hired Chevy Chase. We're going to do comedy about the Invisible Man. It's going to be great. And then Chevy Chase shows up on set and is like, oh, you thought we were going to do a comedy. Yeah, I'm purposefully not going to do that just to be difficult. It's like, why? Why? I don't I don't see why that can't be the truth. I don't I I don't know. God, what a horrible human being. Just funny as funny as hell when he wants to. <laughs> yeah, it just I just but don't just, know why he won't be funny. Like just be funny, man. Right? I was so happy when he sort of had a mini comeback with the community. And yeah. then, then of course it came out that he was an insufferable asshole on the on the set the entire run of that show and I'm like, "Oh fuck." Yeah. God damn it. Uh, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know. I know. I guess. I guess I just don't get it. Like I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I watched that movie. <laughs> don't honestly don't. And like, it's pretty hard for me not to recommend a John Carpenter movie, but don't mm. watch. And like, it's weird because like the special effects are good, and there's like some really cool stuff where like he eats, and you see like stuff go into his body or when he's smoking and you see his lungs fill up and like and you're like that's really cool mm-hmm. it's too bad this isn't happening in a good movie like, I'd want to see that <laughs> fuck you Chevy Chase <sighs> frustrating man frustrating just such a missed opportunity um so yeah now I guess other movies that I watched <laughs> All right, is everybody <laughs> uh, upset enough about that sure all right. So want to talk about Scream for a while? Oh yeah, let's do it. Cuz I so I watched the I watched Scream 2 and 3 just mm-hmm. as like kind of background noise because I've seen them a bunch of times. I really didn't think I needed to. Mm-hmm. Then I then I watched 4, then I went and saw the new one. Yeah. Um super weird fact about the Scream franchise is that I really don't like 2 and 3 that much. <laughs> but you watch them all the time. Well, I have seen them a bunch of times because I like, you know, they it dates back to the pre-streaming days when when you bought the box set, it was on your shelf. It was there, it was one of the things you could watch. The first one's really good. So you just kind of naturally watch the whole series every time. But then I've only seen like four, I think I think I might have only seen it in theaters before last week. Yeah. And it's way better than 2 or 3. Like cuz 2 has singing Jerry O'Connell in it, so it's pretty much out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. It's just like, but it's just it's it's frustrating to see like a uh, I don't know like if you're gonna go like full fledged comedy, then you're in scary movie territory. If you're gonna try to stick with some element of horror, then you can't have singing Jerry O'Connell in it. Like you just can't. But it's and the meta. Plot, it's meta, Doug. They're going full Top Gun. Yeah, I know, but it's not good. <laughs> it has like it has good elements to it. Like, um, I think like there, when there's when there's the discussion in the film class and everybody's yelling at each other about which sequels mm-hmm. are better and they're all coming up with their examples, mm-hmm. and then they start trying to justify Empire Strikes Back because it's part of a planned trilogy and you're like it, it's their way of justifying the existence of Scream Two within the. I'm like that's pretty funny and it's kind <laughs> of the meta, the meta humor is working and it's all really good, mm-hmm. um, and then they use it as a running joke throughout the rest of the movie. Cause people are just passing each other in the halls and yelling out movies at each other and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. But then like the twist of it being like, cause oh, fuck, I don't even remember. And I just watched the movie like a week ago, but it's <laughs> like, 
Billy's mom or whatever. Yeah. And just like, I don't, I feel so forced, man. I don't eh, know. I kind of I like that twist. I, I didn't. It didn't bother me. And Timothy Oliphant being, uh, I don't know, some random psycho that she hooked up with on a sure. message board. I'm fine with that because it's Timmy, Timothy Oliphant when he plays psycho. You're like, all right, I'm in. Like it's yeah, like so I'm I'm okay with him as like kind of the sidekick killer. But I just had I had issues with her being Billy's I don't know, it like I say it felt forced to me. Mm. Not nearly as forced as the twist in three, where it's like by the way, this is Sydney's brother. And it's like and you're like, what is going on? And I don't I think maybe when I saw three for the first time, I really liked the idea that they were the movie takes place on the set of the movie about the first movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's dumb. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't mind the idea that there's like this stab series that exists in the background of these movies, but having it plays such a major part in part three, I didn't like. So did you ever pick up that they reveal who the killer is in part three in the first movie? No. All right. Well, I've noticed this and I've tried to hit up Kevin Williamson on Twitter. He's never responded. This is something, well, something I want to know if this is completely intentional or if it was just some random weirdness that kind of came together to make this happen. So in the third one, horribly it's revealed that Sydney has a, Long lost brother that she didn't know about, which I think is dumb and stupid. Um, yeah. And it turns out he's responsible for everything. He helped Billy and Stu like plan their murder spree or whatever. He encouraged them, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So in the first movie, when we're in the video store and Randy's having his freak out, he just randomly shouts out, "If ever, if the cops would just watch prom night, they could, you know." They would solve it or whatever. And if you watch Prom Night, it turns out it's Jamie Lee Curtis's brother who's killing everybody. So okay. I was always curious. Is that like, was he that like, because apparently when he went in and sold the script, he laid out like how you could do a second movie and a third movie. So I'm wondering if it was that like for plan, like we're going to put this funny little nod in here that nobody will even realize for years upon years what it is. Or if it was just some random, they were just spouting off about horror movies and it just sort of happened. <clears throat> but I've never been able to find an answer to it. So huh. I don't know. I, I like the idea that they planned it that far ahead and stuff. Mm. But I also still just don't like the twist anyway. No, so. I don't either. I think it's a horrible twist. I really don't like three. Even though Lance Henriksen is in it, still don't like it. Yeah. And I especially don't like it because Jay and Silent Bob is in it. I know. It's hard for me not to like a movie because they're in it. I know. But it's like, oh, I don't even know. (laughs) But four, four, I think, is is good. And part maybe partly because it's not a planned part of the trilogy because it is years later going back to this original idea. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know, I guess spoiler alert, because a lot of people seem to forget that four exists, but I like that the twist is that they're just doing it like for social media likes. Like the killer is just trying to become like an influencer, basically, and understands that to get famous in today's world, it's not about doing something. It's like if something fucked up happens to you, then you become famous and you get to be the famous person. It's like, yeah, that's that's a fun little twist on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like, 
you know, the idea, like they do a lot of the commentary about it being a reboot and all that as well. But it's like, I, I do like that twist and I do like that motivation for the killer. And so I'm kind of down with the, with it. And, you know, again, like the kills are all there. I think putting it back in Woodsboro is the right move. I don't think that they really ever should have left. Um, I think the, the whole the whole movie just works better for me. So I was like pretty happy that I rewatched it. And I think like from now on, if I watch the Scream movies, it probably will be like one than four that I watch next because it 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 feels like more like a true sequel to one than the other ones do. Ironically enough, even though the other ones t- tie directly in plot wise. This one feels less forced. It feels less, it feels more like a natural sequel. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched four since theaters. Cause I remember thinking it was just okay, but I haven't revisited it. Yeah. I feel like I should have before I went and saw the new one, but I just it's, didn't do it. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's got a lot of like pretty faces in it that were, I think popular at the time. Mm-hmm. The, the cheerleader that you have to save to save the world. I don't know the actress's name anymore. Um, and yeah, like uh, Emma Roberts. Yeah. Speaking, um, speaking of shows that ended up in disappointment. Yeah. Well, remember save the cheerleader, save the world was like the coolest thing ever. And then all of a sudden it's just like, what the fuck is going on? The first season of that show was so good. Yeah. I, I have tried. It's just, this is a total sidebar, but I really liked the first season of Heroes when it was like new. I was watching it on TV and then I tried to watch season two and I didn't, I lost track of it and didn't watch it because I wasn't really enjoying it. Yeah. So then like on multiple occasions over since then, I have watched season one again with the intention of like, okay, I'll start at the beginning, watch the stuff I know I like, remind myself all the good things and just watch the whole thing. And every time I stop at the beginning of season two and I never really make it anywhere. <laughs> so I've seen season one a bunch, like three or four times and I've not seen the rest of it because I can't make it through. It just falls off so hard. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think I even tried to get into, make it into season three. And I think that's where I, like I force fed season two while it was on. It's like, no, I have to like this show. The first season was so good. And then the season three is like, I'm done. Just, yeah. And then they did like the, the reboot of it too, right? Which I never saw. So. Yeah, I never watched that either. Anyways, hmm. do you want to talk about the new Scream movie now? We should. Wait. I know Noah doesn't care about it. So, are we far enough along? That, are we far enough along? We can do spoilers and stuff. Well, let's do this. Uh, I watched Spider-Man: No Way Home again because a friend of mine who's Plex I'm connected to had it on it. Oh, okay. And uh, so I was like, sweet. And I had somebody over who hadn't seen it yet. So like, let's watch it. And the audio wasn't super great. Like, I feel like it was missing like a channel of audio. Okay. So there'd be like some like, like uh, when Spider-Man and MJ get back to his apartment and they're in his room trying to change. Then May's breaking up with Happy. And then you hear like a bang and she's like, well, uh, oh, what's going on? I need to go see what's going on. Like, you don't hear the bang in this version. <laughs> So you're just kind of like, what? So there's like little stuff like that. And and then about halfway through, we're sitting there watching it. Because it actually, I mean, it's an SD, but it actually doesn't look terrible. So I was like, all right. And then out of nowhere, you see somebody in the corner of the TV, like a black silhouette, stand up and walk out of the theater. 
So, so somebody was just videotaping this from, from from wherever they were at the back of the theater. But it was actually pretty steady and actually looked halfway decent. What's but, weird is I think I almost watched the same version you watched because yeah. I was flipping through like Facebook or some social media app the other day and this ad popped up from this like watch movies free on this ad and i like went to the google mm-hmm. store and it was like it had the little check mark like it's been approved it's safe i'm like okay i'm like I, i'm not anticipating it being new movies but i'm like i'll check out anything that says free movies so i downloaded it and there's all these like very new movies and i'm like this doesn't make any sense to me so i clicked on spider-man and started watching it and a few minutes in realized that i was watching some sort of a a cam version of it and i'm like what kind of ad like why how is this being advertised like publicly like this if they're doing such illegal things and then i ended up deleting the app but i'm like that's weird that that's first of all it's weird to me that cam versions are still happening and second of all it's like weird that it's become this popular that both of us got a chance to watch it this week (laughs) so weird uh, which I don't condone stealing movies, but I've seen it twice in the theater and I can't control what my friend puts on his plex. So and then the other thing I watched, we went to the theater and watched uh, nightmare alley. Oh, and right. specifically, uh, the black and white one because it just got added to HBO max, which I could have watched it. Yeah. But I had heard that Del Toro kind of wanted to do it in black and white, and they wouldn't let him. Turns out that's not entirely true, but that was my justification at the time. Like, oh, but there's the black and white one, so I want to go. I want to go watch it. Yeah, and uh, right. so we went and watched it, and me and Amanda both loved it. And I think it was gorgeous in black and white. And I read later that Del Toro and the cinematographer specifically went through and color graded the black and white to make sure it fit properly. So it wasn't something that they just turned all the colors off and put it out. It was actually a supervised like process, which is really good. And I thought it was beautiful in black and white. And then we came home and turned on the HBO max version just to kind of see the difference. And there's a lot of beautiful colors in the regular one, but I don't know. I think it looked better in black and white. It may just be the story they were telling during the time period they were set, but I don't know. Um, it's a very bleak movie. If you want to feel sad for the rest of the day, you should definitely watch it. <laughs> uh, Bradley Cooper's a guy who joins up with the carnival, learns all these carny tricks, and then him and one of the girls in the carnival run off together and start their own like two person, like mentalist show. Um, so the movie's kind of broken up in half where it's like the first, like half of it is them doing carnival stuff. And then the second half is them split off doing this other stuff. And Bradley Cooper just starts turning more and more into a terrible person. And they get further and further down this weird rabbit hole and everything comes to a head by the end. But I thought it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. It's one of those, like, I love Del Toro movies. This is probably not one I would rewatch a lot. Like, if I wanted something fun and action-y, I'd watch Pacific Rim or Blade 2. And if I wanted something, like, super beautiful and stuff, I'd watch Pan's Labyrinth. But, yeah, I don't know. 
I've listened to a lot of interviews and this was like a one of those like pet projects he'd been wanting to do for a long time. And uh it's good. <laughs> it's just it's definitely not a feel good movie, but it was very artfully done, very stylish. And uh, if you're a Del Toro fan, I'd, I'd say it's a huge recommend to check it out. Uh, keep in mind, some people were worried or were disappointed when the movie was over. Uh, there's there's no supernatural elements in this movie. Okay. So just go in for like a nice like character piece throughout this entire movie and just enjoy the production and everything else. But don't go in for any any of his like supernatural elements or anything because it's it's not there i've been seeing a lot of people complain about that online all right so i, I kind of assumed there was an internet uh like a, some elements that weren't being portrayed in the trailers because i just figured no no but it explores this weird lifestyle of the carnival and stuff which is super fascinating and then uh just this like he said he wanted to like because this is a adaptation of a book and they made a version of it back in the 40s or 30s and so he's been wanting to do something like this because apparently his dad when he lived in mexico city was kidnapped and people and the kidnappers would call for a ransom and apparently that happens a lot down in mexico and he says that when stuff like that happens you will undoubtedly get like psychics and all that stuff that will just show up at your door start peddling there like you know uh, oh i can see him i can you know i could maybe tell you where he is he thinks about you and all this stuff and he came home and found psychics doing that to his mom and when his dad got kidnapped and he kicked them all out of the house but he wanted to sort of tell a story about grifters and scam artists and stuff and kind of just dove into this weird world of like mentalism you know, that bullshit where, you know, like, what was that guy, John Edwards, where you just stand in front of a crowd and be like, I'm seeing something with a J, with a J. Anybody yeah. here, everything with a J, like doing that kind of stuff. So it's really fascinating to kind of dive into that sort of world and then the carnival stuff mixed in. So it's, uh, it was fascinating. So definitely worth a watch if you're a Del Toro fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Scream five. All right. So if you want to be spoilery, now's the time to leave, I guess. But we are going to do Book of Boba Fett at the end. So try that's to plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, so everybody just figure out you can fast forward or whatever. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's like a big deal to spoil this movie. I don't feel like there's some big revelation or anything. It's just. No, I mean, there's it's like a, it's a screen movie, so kind yeah, of know yeah. what to look for. And I feel like most people who have wanted to see it will have seen it by the time this is released. Anyway, I'm not too concerned. Yeah. But yeah. so, so what did you think of Scream Five? Uh, I enjoyed it. Like, I guess mm-hmm. my my immediate thoughts are: um, I thought they did a good job of mixing the new characters in with the legacy characters. Mm-hmm. I actually for the first time ever in discussing a movie like this, where I'm like, I could have done a little less of the legacy characters. I'm about <laughs> done with Sidney Prescott. Um, no, I fucking loved Dewey in this movie. He was great. He's his performance is fantastic. A little bit predictable the way things go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
and uh, I. But I, I thought it's just I liked his character arc and I liked the performance a lot. Dewey has become like my favorite thing about the Scream movies over the course of the, <laughs> the of rewatching them all. Yeah, um, which it's just funny to think of somebody who was supposed to die in the first one and then they change their mind at the last minute. Yeah, and I'm just like, but he's he's the most likable, consistent character throughout all of these movies, mm. um, and. That is still true in part five here. Um, I really like the the Jack Quaid character. I don't know anybody's name, by the way. I hope you're not expecting me to know character <laughs> names. <laughs> no. um, I, I liked him a lot. I found him like just really likable throughout the movie. And I guess mm-hmm. I guess if we're in spoiler territory, we can say that he turns out to be one of the killers. Um, Which I was and, a little less happy with, but. I was fine with it. But when I looked at everything else, I'm like, well, who else is it going to be then? And I was like, well, yeah, well, I, I guess I don't know. I also like that Dewey called him out as the killer early. And yeah. <laughs> everyone was like, nah, come on, Dewey. And he's like, fine. Who else could it be then? And then you're like, you should have <laughs> fucking listened to Dewey. <laughs> oh, he's listened to Dewey. Yeah. So I, but I liked his performance a lot of that. He was really likable. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, a lot of the cast is good. My problem with the casting is, I don't understand how old anybody is in this movie. <laughs> like I, I, yeah. I guess I kind of have a vague idea of how the, how old the legacy characters are, but the new characters, like, so there's the two sisters that are supposed to be five years apart in age, I think. Mm-hmm. But and, and one looks like she's 11 and the other one looks like she's about 22. Yeah. And then <laughs> like all the friends of the younger sister look like they're the same age as the older sister. Don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like the younger sister's supposed to be in high school which i all granted she could be she could pass as like a high school kid but then why are her friends at a bar later mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense yeah a lot of movies and like i mean i guess like buffy the vampire slayer used to do that shit too just think that kids hang out at bars that yeah. i guess the bar is like well you can hang out here but we're not going to serve you but that doesn't make any damn sense yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah. It, I, I didn't get it. I didn't understand because they. I get, and then like that guy that comes in to hit on them, he's like got his own car and he's like a. I don't know. I felt like he was like some kind of a criminal. Like he certainly wasn't just another high school kid. I didn't understand. I, I still don't understand if those kids were <laughs> supposed to be in high school. That's ludicrous that they were passing off as high school. They came off as twenty five. <laughs> it's and a lot of that stuff and so like when you start doing the flashbacks and you're or not so much the flashbacks but the uh, the backstory being revealed through dialogue mm-hmm. and you're like okay it's not making sense to me like how old anyone is in this at all <laughs> and it's like I, I i couldn't figure it out and i didn't like it um that was <laughs> that was a problem for me old man doug it was like taking me out of the movie nah, i'm with it i'm like uh, like I try sitting in my seat trying to figure out how old people are and trying to figure out like are they friends with which sister are they friends with because they look, <laughs> they look an awful lot like they're, they're the same age as the older sister and so that was that was confusing. Um, How'd you feel about the revelation that the older sister was Billy Loomis's daughter? I enjoyed that. I, I did too. A, I did too. Yeah. When it first happened, I'm like, oh, that's kind of dumb. But as the movie went on, I was like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't mind that nearly as much as I thought I was going to. No, it's, uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of it, and 
I thought it was handled in a way that made sense. Mm-hmm. I liked having him as like her conscience and yeah. this sort of the mislead that, well, maybe she is the killer if that's the case, but then how could she be? Because she was out of town when the first attack happened and mm-hmm. I enjoyed that element of it. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed him showing up and stuff in like a ghostly form. I thought it was an interesting yeah. way to bring Skeet Ulrich back, but yeah. also then explain that she has like psychotic issues where she has she has to take medication yeah. for it. So it's not just like, oh, now we have ghosts and scream. It's like, no, it's just weird hallucinations she's seeing. But yeah. It worked. Uh, the de-aging stuff I actually thought was pretty decent, but even the fact that even if it's not perfect, it's supposed to be a hallucination, so it doesn't matter yeah. if it kind of looks off. Yeah, it was fine. For it. Didn't bother me in the least. Um, I even liked them bringing back the house from the original. Mm-hmm. I thought I was that was a fun touch. I excited about that, yeah. Having a party. I thought, um, yeah, I thought it was weird that when they had, like, um, Randy's niece and nephew, mm-hmm. I thought that felt a little forced but I was, I was okay with it like i was pr- pretty much okay with the characters and i was okay with, i kind of thought it was fun to see randy's sister because she was in part two part three part three Can't remember yeah, yeah. three she yeah. showed x2 is when he got killed right yeah um so yeah like i, I liked seeing her pop up and then i'm like okay whatever i guess they can be like even though it's a bit ridiculous that you had like a picture of your uncle and like I think they had a sign that said like their home theater is in memorial to him or something. I was yeah. like, that's a bit dumb, <laughs> but all right, whatever. Like, I, like it's you scream. let some stuff go because yeah. it's a movie, right? Did you catch uh, Matthew Lillard's cameo? No. Is he a voice or something? So when they do, they're watching the YouTube video and they show part of the trailer for stab eight. Yeah. He's doing he's doing the voice of the muscled up ghost face with the flamethrower. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. I I like saw some articles online talking about how there's some voice cameos in this, like mm-hmm. apparently in, in the party scene too. Like if you listen close enough you hear um the voice of other actors that have been from the series and it's like, Okay, that's fun, but I'm mm-hmm. not gonna pick up on it while sitting in a theater. No. Um yeah, like a lot I don't know. I, I like the movie quite a bit. I guess the thing I'm worried about rewatching it is there's a lot of like meta talk mm-hmm. where they're like, they're like, you know, literally explaining the movie to you. And while well, like there's a point in this movie where the person looks into the camera and goes, welcome to the third act. And then the climax of the movie starts and you're like, <laughs> all right, like I get what you're doing. I get that you're a scream movie, but I'm not sure upon rewatch whether I'm going to want to see all that again. <laughs> Yeah, and that's my concern. Yeah, that is worrisome. It's like, but you know, and like lay off Ryan Johnson, man. They didn't have to keep bad. They keep bringing up how bad <laughs> part eight is, and I'm just like, I get it. You guys didn't like the Last Jedi, but stop it. You don't have to keep saying it over and over again in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, somebody mad at him that worked on the movies. Jesus, they Christ. just kept saying it, and I'm like, we get it. We get that this is, in many ways, this is Scream's tribute to um, Star Wars, right? That's that's how I knew Dewey was going to die. I knew Dewey was going to die from the time of the trailers, and it's because he had the Han Solo white beard growing in. Yep. It's exactly like he, you know what I mean. Oh, and oh boy, dude, does he die? They make sure that it's not yeah. a uh, well, maybe he lived. Nope, not this nope. time. <laughs> nope, he is dead, dead. Which is really unfortunate because I'm like, I, he's the one I would have wanted coming back. 
no. um, of all those characters. Like, I'm really not interested. I'm like, I'm bored of Sydney Prescott. I think that's part of my problem with all the sequels is that I don't like her that much. She was good in the first one. I got no problem with her in that one. But after that, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. And, and even this one, she doesn't do a whole lot. Like Dewey calls her and then she's like, okay, I won't come to Woodsboro. And then <laughs> we don't see her for like another hour. So, she's she's know. Luke. He's the Han and Courtney yeah, Cox is the totally. Leia. And it plays out very, very much along those lines. Like I, I feel like we're Dewey and uh and Gail see each other again. Like if you timed it, it could be one of those things where like that's exact same time point as in the Force Awakens when those two <laughs> saw each other again. <laughs> Anyways, um, and Jesus I, Christ, I'm not sure if it's exactly that, but and Jesus Christ, Gail, be a, be a news person or don't. Mm-hmm. She's flip flop throughout the series. <laughs> like, five goddamn movies. Just pick one and stick with it. Yep. But her deciding to jump to the TV news, I think, made sense for who she is, because she's always been just a fame whore. And mm-hmm. I really thought it helped. I lo- Man, I love Dewey in this movie. And I love that when the reveal comes that like she went to New York to chase her dreams and he couldn't hack it there. So he left her. Mm-hmm. Did, didn't didn't kind of give her the option of coming back to Wordsboro because he's like she just doesn't belong there she belongs here and I don't and he still wants her to be happy kind of thing and it just made him so much more likable yeah uh, really and the fact we actually get recognition that he lost his sister in the first movie yeah never really talked about it again no they didn't that that was not really terribly important to anyone else in these movies (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I I like that I like all that um, I liked all the references to toxic fandom, which ironically, this movie that spends so much time intentionally bad mouthing The Last Jedi is mm-hmm. also bad mouthing the fans who go online and act like, you know, if something is done in a way that they don't like, that they immediately can attack the filmmakers and insult them and demand that things be redone and done differently. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> like you guys are doing. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the self awareness doesn't extend to the filmmakers, I don't think. Um, but mm. it's like I, I liked the idea of calling out toxic fandom because it's a serious fucking problem in the internet age. It's mm-hmm. like you know, like the internet has always been for sharing pornography and bitching about movies online, <laughs> but it's gotten really bad lately. And like, fuck, Lord knows, like Warner Brothers fed into it by actually releasing a Snyder cut, but it seems like they <laughs> there's a, an element of like every fandom out there that like the minute something comes out if it's not a hundred percent exactly what they wanted that's mm-hmm. it that filmmaker should never be allowed to work again and you're not a real fan if you enjoyed it and it's like everybody calm down like just so i, I was I, I enjoyed having a movie call that out yeah you agree um so yeah, overall i i liked it quite a bit as did i like i said i, I tell people it's a screen movie so whatever that means to you, will tell you if you're yeah. going to enjoy the movie or not. Obviously for Noah, it means he will not for Doug. It, it will. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say I mean, flat out. It I doesn't think... mean I'll enjoy it or not enjoy it. It means I don't give a fuck. <laughs> exactly. I will say like, if you haven't seen any of the screen movies in a while, like I think one, then four and five are the most tonally similar. 
with two and three veering off way more into the meta comedy realm than I would like in my horror. So, so no Jerry O'Connell singing is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we do get like the levels of meta in this one where you've got, cause remember in the first one, you've got Jamie Kennedy yelling at um, Jamie Lee Curtis to turn around. Meanwhile, he's the one that should be turning around. <laughs> yeah. And in this movie, we get the girl watching Jamie, Ke- a, a representation of Jamie Kennedy yelling at a TV, but the killer's behind her. And <laughs> except she finally goes, Oh shit, I should, I should turn around. Like it's, <laughs> I should be able to see this coming, <laughs> which I kind of enjoyed. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that, that I liked. I wonder if there's enough footage now we could get like a 15 minute cut of stab put together through all these movies. I, I don't At this rate, the next movie will just be called stab and they'll just release it. <laughs> well, they greenlit another one since this one did so well. Yeah. I'm curious where they're going to go with the next one. Yeah. It sounds, like, like sounds like sounds like Campbell's coming that, back. So is she? Yeah. I'm done with her. I don't want her back. I'm, She's the part of this movie that I didn't like. Um, I just, I liked the newer characters. I love Dewey. I was Gail. I could take her or leave her. Nev Campbell. I'm mm. just about sick of. I wouldn't be surprised if Courtney Cox doesn't return. No. Oh. She looked kind of frail running around in some of these scenes. I wonder if she's just like, I'm getting too old to be like fighting she's, people off. Well, she's never been like particularly physically fit, right? Yeah. She's in shape, but she's not karate chopping people. They'll just yeah. have to replace her with Phoebe. Oh, I'd be totally on board for that. I'd be that'd be amazing if they brought in someone like that and just had it. Like if they could just get Jennifer Aniston in and just have her be like and be like, <laughs> "What are you like the replacement Gail?" And they're like, "Well, we're not all the same or something." It, it, that could be pretty funny. <laughs> I'm only yeah, but- okay with it being Jennifer Aniston if the next Ghostface Killer is a little person. <laughs> what does that have it, to do with anything just just for it's them to make reference. fucking leprechaun references to oh. the fucking movie okay i'd be on board for that i, I, might, I, I might actually watch that there, there's just some weird scene and i know everybody ages people can't help it but courtney cox like hugs someone and you're looking like from behind that person into courtney cox's face but you can see her hands in the shot and I was like, holy shit, those are my grandma's hands. Like, she has serious old lady hands. Okay. And it just made me feel terrible because I'm just like, oh, my God. People are getting old. They're going to die in real life soon. Yeah. I don't know. Like, because I, I don't know. I'm assuming she's similar in age to David Arquette because they were married in real life and stuff. And mm-hmm. therefore, they must be the same age. That's my logic in my brain. <laughs> if anyone's following along. Um <laughs> And like he looked, he didn't look bad. Like he looked older, right? Like, mm-hmm. but he didn't look bad. So I don't know. I, like, I, but then again, like in in going back to like Scream Two, she looked like not great. Like you know what I mean? Like overly skinny and that weird sort of like I exercise enough to make sure I lose weight so that I fit into the, a size zero, but not necessarily that I'm in good shape and have like muscle tone or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, she's actually born seven years before David Arquette. Oh, well, that explains why she looks older than him. Then that's probably yeah. not a coincidence. She uh, she was born in '64, so 
64. Did, did David Arquette throw a wicked drop kick in the movie? <laughs> no. I wish he would have, though. Oh, man, if he'd come off the top rope at somebody or some shit. He does get this badass moment where he gets everybody in the elevator to get off to to get off the hospital floor. And he just turns around, pulls his little revolver out, empties it, just dumps those bullet shells onto the floor while he reloads it. Yeah. This is a pretty badass moment. But then he, you gets, know what? he gets totally killed. <laughs> really, really killed. <laughs> like never coming back. Ever killed. Um, do you know what was brutal watching was the I think her name's Tara, the lead character. Mm-hmm. I think I remember I think I, that might be the one name I remember. Um <laughs> when she is like trying to use the wheelchair, but her hands are all bandaged up and she's been all stabbed and shit from the first encounter. <laughs> yeah. That is some nasty stuff, man. <laughs> it is hard to watch. And you're like, oh cringe inducing. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Like it's a horror movie. You're supposed to have moments like that, but this movie was really bloody and gory for a, it was very gory. scream standards. Uh, you got to remember like those scream movies came in the latter part of Wes Craven's career when he was trying to, like he openly said he didn't want to be the kind of person who would make last house on the left. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he was trying to make things that were more polished and easier to watch and not cringe inducing. And, once he was gone from the series, they're like, well, then in that case, we can <laughs> look, we have a character named Wes and we're going to hack him up too. Yeah. Those pretty brutal stabs in this movie. Yeah. When, uh, the new sheriff chick who was like the deputy in part four, mm-hmm. when she is running into the house to save her kid, it goes faces just behind the bush and just nails her in the stomach with a knife as she's running by. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that looked like it hurt. <laughs> I enjoyed, I enjoyed a lot of the kills. I think I enjoyed that first yeah. attack on, uh, on the girl where it's, it turns out it's not a kill. It's just that it's a, an attack. Cause it's part of the plan is to keep her alive, but it's fucking brutal. And she just takes a beating. <laughs> She gets stabbed in the hand a lot. Yeah. She certainly is her leg that just gets stomped on and broken. You're like, oh, God. That's probably the worst one. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> she like falls face down and Ghostface just comes up and like stomps on the back of her leg, obviously breaking her Achilles tendon. Ouchie. Yeah. It's pretty like, what the fuck? Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right, Doug, what are we doing next week? That is a good question. I was supposed to pick movies, wasn't I? Yeah. I didn't do that. No. Um, <laughs> uh, future Prisons, part two. Are, are there more Future Prison movies on the list? I'm looking, I'm looking. No, there aren't any more on the list. There, there are a ton of Future Prison movies, though. So. Uh, let's do some Abel Ferrero movies, Driller Killer and Miss 45. All right. <laughs> That's the first one you saw. You're like that or that's correct. Yes. That's the first one I saw. Uh, all right. So we had to move our recording date to a Wednesday and that actually coincided with the season finale of Boba Fett. So now we can talk about the last two episodes, even though I barely remember what happened in last week's episode, because I feel like why this week's episode was so good. Why do you have such a trouble remembering this? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. You ever- uh, was was it we get to see we get to see Grogu training with Luke a lot? Yeah. All right. Mandalorian goes to to get to bring Grogu his armor, and Grogu's yeah. le- it ends with Grogu having to make the decision: does he want to choose 
the Mandalorian way or the Jedi way. So another episode where Boba Fett makes one small cameo in the episode of his own show. And we follow the Mandalorian around for the entire Listen, episode. Because it's the book of Boba Fett. It's not the story of Boba Fett. <laughs> books, okay. books have many characters. Uh, so, Noah, that does remind me. I think I told you that you get to see more flippy Jedi bullshit. I mean, this so, one, but, but it's actually Empire Strikes Back flippy Jedi, Jedi bullshit. So it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was Luke running through the swamp. I still personally think it looks bad. Yeah, and it's the first time in a long time that I've looked at something on one of these shows and been like, "Oh, that is just shit CGI crap." Why did they do that? I didn't think it looked horrible. I think it could have been better. I think putting him out in the sunlight is part of the problem with that. Yeah, I, it's weird because a lot of the internet thinks they made look Luke look better, and I don't agree. I agree with you guys where I think he looks worse. Mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about Luke. I'm talking about all of it. Like even Grogu's jumping and movements and stuff. I was like that. I I think I preferred a mostly immobile puppet. To be fair, I think they used up most of their budget on this last episode. So maybe that's why. Truth. <laughs> oh, you think the last episode was expensive to produce? Uh, I can imagine so. Um, but yeah, so yeah, uh, I don't know. Luke Luke presents him as an enticing option. Yoda's lightsaber at the very end. And Grogu yeah. apparently was like, fuck no. But we don't learn that until the next episode. But I just, I just love that they're putting Luke at, in Yoda's position and Grogu in Luke's position exactly from Empire, right? It's literally mm-hmm. my friends are in trouble and they need me. And, well, you can't go or you'll be giving up your training. And since we know that Luke was able to go back and complete his training, does mm. that mean we think there's a chance Grogu can as well? I don't know. Probably. I also thought it was a little weird that uh, Luke's being a stickler on the whole you have to give up your attachments thing. That's what I was thinking. Which, yeah, especially in the extended universe, Luke's whole thing is he's kind of the Jedi that was like, maybe we're wrong about that. Yeah. Well, I think that they're leading up to that though, right? Like by by Last Jedi, he was definitely that guy, but this is supposed to be shortly after um Empire Earth, shortly after Return of the Jedi. So it's he has like I feel like he learned that lesson by the end of Return of the Jedi though. Yeah. Because it's his connection to his father that lets him save Vader. Uh, I feel like he's going to learn that. It's going to be implied that he learns that mm. now when he allows Grogu to maintain his connection to the Mandalorian while still training to become the new Jedi. Mm. I think that's what's going to happen. Maybe. Although Maybe, this might yeah. also just be their jumping off point to explain why Grogu wasn't at the school when, uh, no. when Kylo killed him. Ben, ben murders everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's also possibly true. Like we, we might never go back to that island again in this in these series. Um, so the weird thing I read, uh, Mark Hamill apparently did not record any new audio for this. Really? They actually went back and took his voice samples from the movies around that time, and, and then faked him, and then also some audio books that he did. 
and was able to like synthesize his voice enough to just completely do it huh. from whatever. I feel like he was at I least like that's credited as being in it though. That's the weird part. I was going to say that might explain something though. Cause I did think whenever he was talking that it, that it sounded weird. And I was like, maybe it's like they're de-aging his voice somehow. Mm-hmm. But if, if that's what it is, if it's just them deep faking him, that makes sense. Well, (laughs) Doug's got to go. All right, guys. I guess uh, I really, really liked the finale, and I'll talk to you guys next week. (laughs) Okay. See you. That was so loud. Right? Jesus. I know. (laughs) Later, guys. Bye. Um, Should we just talk about the last episode? Did anything else exciting happen in the the episode before? Uh, Well, there's the whole thing of the Mando showing up to drop off his little baby Yoda suit of armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't he get his, did he get a ship in this episode or was that the episode before? No, I think that's this episode. Was that this episode? See, I don't know. I don't remember. No, that was the episode before. Cause he uses the ship to get there. Okay. No, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I don't remember a whole lot other than the training session with Luke in that last episode. Yeah, yeah. So the last episode's fucking awesome, mm-hmm. and at the same time, completely fucking unearned. <laughs> okay. Does, does that make sense? Like, I these these series are just too rushed. Mm. So, so the last episode we have, you know, the entire. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the order to do this in. <laughs> so, but. Basically, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, go watch it. What the fuck? Right. But um, we've got the full scale war, which kind of starts with them getting their asses collectively kicked. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole bunch of the uh, Victorian steampunk cowboys die. <laughs> uh, and they kill off the fucking uh, what's their faces? The uh, is my brain not working? The green guys. Oh, uh, the Gamorrean guards? Yeah, the Gamorreans, which that was kind of fun. I, I was really bummed. That made me really sad. I was like, they didn't deserve that. What the hell? Although I did watch a video where they're like, uh, so they just backed them off a cliff. Um, they showed a couple episodes that these guys can actually fight. Why did they not just beat the shit out of those guys? Right. Right, have them. Like, oh, yeah. At least they could have had them die on their feet or something. They just right? kind of executed them, which was depressing. Uh, of course, then we have the the last stand of Boba and the Mandalorian going mm-hmm. out and then just fucking motherfuckers up. Yeah. Well, they talk about doing uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid essentially just running out. Yeah, but but then they come up with some weird plan to uh which the video i pointed out was very it was like from the godfather huh where they show like uh al pacino talking and he's like uh he's like what i'm gonna give you is nothing and then like they compare like uh the weird how the the different uh god why is my brain not working now i think it's contagious the different uh sex of the city about how they turn on Boba or whatever. They compare a lot of those like 
shots of Boba's team being ambushed from like when Sonny Corleone like gets jumped at the tollway or whatever. Oh yeah. No. But yeah, and then they both remember, oh shit, we got jetpacks, and then they start shooting everybody. Right. I was gonna say, so we we have the people of Freetown or whatever showing up to Mm-hmm. Is the Calvary, which you knew was going to happen, and which that, all right, slightly earned because, you know, we had uh, Oliphant's character getting gunned down by Cad Bane. Mm-hmm. Which I figured was going to be a misdirect. Because, I mean, he got shot, like, in the shoulder or something, and I'm just like, oh. Right. He'll be fine. But no, apparently they, uh, he's like, uh, they don't say he's dead, but they... <laughs> They say that they he got gunned down in cold blood. Yeah, and then uh, so there's that, and then there's the whole uh, Boba goes to get his rancor and oh rides in. This was the uh, best thing ever. But once again, so this is one of the things I'm going to say is unearned. We had one scene where he gets imprinted on the rancor, and he says, "I want to learn how to ride the rancor." Mm-hmm. And here we are, two episodes later, which in real world time in the show is like two days and now he is a master at writing the fucking rancor <laughs> like well, to be fair this is what I was complaining about Boba Fett hasn't been in the last two episodes maybe these last two episodes spanned over like months uh, yeah, training I, the whole time yeah I suppose they need to be better about like because at least the movies you know the movies jump in time but there's a scroll mm. at the beginning of every episode to tell you the times jumped yeah in, in this, it just feels like they just go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And, you know, and now you've got uh, the the Wookiee guy who went from being an enemy to now he's just willing to get mm-hmm. gunned down in the street and die to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> sure. He pays me a lot of money. Although I'm assuming in the next season, you know, because Boba ran out and saved him, if they're going with the whole Wookiee mm-hmm. life debt thing. Yeah. Which apparently in the comics they've worked together before. It's just weird they haven't really acknowledged that on the show. Right. So, I don't know. Because they said a very, like, when Disney bought them, that they set a very, like, okay, everything from here forward is canon. And they were going to be very particular about the stories they told. So even, like, the comic books and stuff were so, supposed to count. And that's apparently where they've worked together before. Right. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's just so much. There's so much going on in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I just love the fucking battle, and then all of a sudden you just hear the roar, and fucking a rancor comes peeking out over top of a building, and you're just like, "Oh fuck, it's the rancor!" And then they pan up, and Boba's riding, and I was like, "Fuck yes!" I like. I, I liked the Grogu moment where they built up this thing like Grogu is just going to crush this giant fucking robot. And instead he's like, using all the strength and he just like pulls a bolt out of it. <laughs> <It's> enough, <laughs> enough to collapse its legs so he can't walk properly. Yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, there's the showdown between uh, Boba and Cad Bane. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Yeah, I kind of I liked the idea that uh, Cad still outguns him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That he yeah. can't he can't beat him in a gunfight, but at the end he beats him because the Tuscans taught him how to mm-hmm. melee fight, basically. Yeah, it's yeah because Bane tells him 
if you're looking out for yourself, everything else is weakness. And then the, the, of course, the thing is that he had learned to be part of a tribe, which is how he knew how to use his, the fuck's that called? Like the Mori stick or whatever? The ga- gaffy stick. Gaffy stick, yeah. Beat the living shit out of him. Oh, man. Kills the dog shit out of Bane, too. I really, I, I was like, is he going to kill him? And then it's like, oh, yeah. Well, if you notice, there's a weird patch on his chest that has a red light that's beeping that people are hypothesizing that that means that he's not technically dead yet. But don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was just so excited by the Boba driving the Rancor around town, just beating the shit out of stuff. Although I do love that he's the robots show up and he's like, they're going to destroy half the city. And then he goes and gets his rancor and destroys half the city by right. <laughs> driving his rancor around. Yeah, I liked I liked getting to see a rancor like, and I guess it's still technically a rancor puppy, kind yeah. of in in full <laughs> athletic rancor mode. It's fucking King Kong and shit climbing all the way up to the top of that building. Oh, that that tower scene, I was like, are they really gonna King Kong? And then you see it like rip that column out, and I was like, yep. They're just going to straight up King Kong it. <laughs> At least they don't kill him. That's what I was really worried about. Like, oh, fuck. Don't kill the Rancor. Uh, what else? Man, there's so much that goes on. Uh, uh, I thought they did a better job of, I can't remember their names, but the the chick and the black dude that uh, are. The, uh, the mods. Yeah, that are part of the mod squad or whatever the fuck. Dumb fucking. <laughs> God, I, I hate that so much. I, I am not a fan. But uh, at least their characters kind of came off a little more interesting and badass in this episode. Yeah. Which is funny because they're actually getting their asses kicked and that's kind of what makes them look better. <laughs> uh, we get to see Fend uh, be a fucking badass assassin when she goes and kills the, uh, where the pikes are holed up. Like that the, was that was so fucking random too that that happens at the end because I was sitting there going, "Where the fuck is Phoenix Shan at this whole fucking time?" <laughs> it's like she just went off and just never came back. Yep. Well, she mentions that because they asked the, the fuck's that dude's title, the, the the assistant to the mayor. Yeah, ask him where they're holed up, and he tells her. I'm like, okay, she's going to go kill them. But yeah, we don't see it until after the war's over. So I don't know, like, what? It's pretty dope, dude. She just, she really does just, like, horror movie murder them all. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, like, a scene from the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie for some reason. <laughs> Especially when the cord comes down and she strangles that dude. She, like, pulls him up and you hear his neck break. Yeah, she's like, nope, fuck you. You shouldn't have wandered out from the wall. You probably would have been somewhat safe if you would have huddled up against the wall. But now you're dead. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's real good. I mean, this is an action-packed yeah. fucking episode. It it kind of takes just a few minutes to get going, and then it doesn't stop. I kind of want to see the further adventures of uh, the mechanic lady and the mayor's assistant. Oh, I think I think that might be coming, <laughs> dude. Whatever Grogu put that fucking rancor to sleep with his fucking Jedi powers, and then uh-huh. curled up next to him and went to sleep. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I want that as, like, my Facebook uh, cover photo. I, I was like, I hate it, and it's adorable. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and then, uh, oh shit, just what else? Fucking, we get to see uh, the Wookiee just fucking lay waste. Oh my god, that was so good. It's yeah, so cool because you get that fight with him in the Trandoshans, and then they kind of leave, and you think he's dead, and then he shows up, and he's just <laughs> getting shot over and over again, just flinging like pikes like through the street, like they're yeah. nothing. Yeah. Because I actually watched it a second time because I watched it this morning so I could write this article thing. And then uh, when Amanda got home, she likes it. We watched it again. And I just love that where it's just kind of quiet. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? All of a sudden, dude, just come flying down the street like they're being thrown. And he just like comes out and it's just like, fuck. Yeah, I almost I almost really wish they would have let him take out that robot because that scene where he like takes his claws and he's like just Mm-hmm. manhandling tearing through that shield that none of the guns can get through <laughs> I thought he was going to be like a dog with one of those invisible fences where he's just going to power through it and get on the other side of it uh, I like the fact that once again the dark saber was pretty useless <laughs> <laughs> pulls it out like well this force field will be no match against the dark saber bling <laughs> To which Amanda was like, oh, shit, the Darksaber won't even cut this thing? They're fucked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we got the uh, the after credit scene. Mm-hmm. Turns out Cobb Vanth may not be dead. Dun, dun, dun. He's in the and old uh, BAFTA tank and getting modded, apparently. I was going to say, I hope that means he's getting a show. Because Robo Space Sheriff... Is a, so, is, is, is a fucking really good show. I want to see that. Yeah, because he got shot in the shoulder. So that means he's got to have a robo arm now. That's right. A robo shooting arm. Maybe yeah. with a built in Gatling pistol or something. Yeah, although it might be a while. I heard they're doing a um, another one off season of Justified since all these uh, one off revitalization. Revitalization series are a big yeah. thing now. You got me my own Olafar? <laughs> um, so do we think we're going to get another season? I don't I God, I hope so. Mm-hmm. But with the mixed reception it's got, I don't, I don't know what their plan yeah. is. They might have to rethink it just because the fans aren't reacting to it. But mm. yeah, people are complaining. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't hate the season. Like it's some of it's a little slow, which is fine with me, but I don't know. Some people, some fans, if you don't get what the last episode was in the first like five episodes, they're like, well, this is bullshit. Yeah. I, I think the problem is, is Marvel might, or Marvel Disney might've set the uh, bar too high. Mm, you know, the Mandalorian. Well, yeah. And with the amount of money they've been spending, because mm-hmm. the problem is with the budget, they can only do, six episodes you know what i mean because they're spending a bajillion dollars an episode but that fucks up their ability to tell a story to a certain extent because i mean if you're doing a tv show you need more time for character development and stuff Mm -hmm. in which like this one if it's going to be schizophrenic and it's going to be three episodes of the boba fett show and then three episodes of the mandalorian like (laughs) So weird. Oh, which I forgot to bring up last episode. We do get to see Gro- some of Grogu's memories, which he apparently had lost. So that was the the uh, 
uh, the excuse they made up in the Mandalorian was he had forgot his Jedi training from before, but we get to see him during, uh, when they activate order 66 and he sees a bunch of other Jedis get killed, but we still don't see how he was saved. Well, and there's one of the interesting things is Luke kind of mentions that again, that Mm. he says, I sometimes I feel like I'm not teaching him. I feel like he's just remembering things. Mm hmm. And it's like, so that's going to be their excuse. He doesn't need Luke to teach him. He's just going to remember what he was already <laughs> taught. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a workaround. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see next season on The Mandalorian, which apparently they started filming. If that's gonna, explored more. And we're going to have a little baby with the Darksaber. I hope so. That's going to be glorious. It's going to be a little Darksaber baby. <laughs> Anything else? I I don't know. Like, now I'm just wondering, who the fuck are they going to bring in next season? Well, there's been rumors that uh, we may get to see, uh, maybe not for The Mandalorian, if they did another Boba Fett one, the uh, the main guy, I don't remember his name, Boba, has said that he wants Base Windu to come back because they need to have some sort of showdown since he killed his dad. But, man, I feel like Mace Windu would be super old by then. Well, yeah, and if Mace Windu didn't die, that would fuck up a whole lot of weird stuff. Hmm. Maybe he's been in a BAFTA tank this whole time, because he was so badly injured from the fall. Maybe. You know, you know how it is. You just cryogenically freeze people. Or give well, them robot legs, like uh, Darth Maul. Well, yeah, appar- apparently you can survive being cut in half, so... <laughs> You can survive being cut in half. There isn't much you can't do in the Star Wars universe. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.